Okay, so this has been perhaps one of the most hectic and most annoying moment mornings of my life so far. What was supposed to be a 30-minute uh, car ride turned into a two-hour traffic uh, traffic fuckery. But finally, if there's one, I had to cancel one episode before this. But I am so glad, Luke, you came in here for this episode. How you doing, man? Great, man. Great. Thanks for having me, man. You have a great setup here, man. It's, it's, uh, it's really professional, so I'm impressed. Yeah, thank you. I mean, this is... This is the beautiful thing about being podcasters. Like, the more you do something, the better you get at it. And I tell everyone, if you ever want to get good at something, you got to get past the first 100 of something. Mm. You want to get good at, you know, BJJ, I say get past the first 100 sessions, and then you're pretty much dead. It's the same with podcasts. Uh, if you get past the first 100, you're pretty much a podcaster. This is episode 115 right now. <laughs> so, oh, nice, yeah. man. Oh, well, congratulations. You got over the 100, man. Yeah. So well done, man. That's it, awesome. Exactly. So this is like the little sweet spot I'm in right now. Yeah, got my nice. nice little studio. But it's not surprising, man. You know, like the way that you're doing it makes sense. I can see. Yeah. And awesome, man. It's, it's nice to have these in-person guests such as yourself yeah. because nowadays a lot of people are doing podcasts and I'm always supporting them. But the first thing I tell everyone is you've got to find a way to get past Zoom. As much as I love Zoom and Skype calls, because I've done them a lot myself, it's not. It's it's different to actually having that in-person connection rather than over the phone. Mm. And it feels more of an interview rather than an actual in-person conversation. So without further ado, Luke, I just want to say, man, what you're doing for BJJ in Perth in Australia is, is absolutely phenomenal. I have only been practicing BJJ for about a year and six months now. So I'm still very fresh. Uh, but I'm always seeing your brand humble around. Oh, you know, I'm always you, like he- telling me about you whenever I go to the competition. Someone's always repping your brand. You know, I love the uh, the the, stri- the line of clothing that you guys have. It's a very, very well designed. So that's, um, we'll get into that. Yeah. But first, tell me a little bit about yourself, Luke. Tell me about uh, your history. But yeah, straight up, man. Thank yeah. you for that, man. I really appreciate it, bro. Um, a bit about myself, so I've been training in Jiu-Jitsu for about 12 years, uh, brown belt at Legion 13, uh, been with Legion that whole time, um, uh, trained in Brazil, lived in Brazil for a month, competed over there, uh, won a silver medal over there, um, and then outside of Jiu-Jitsu, I'm a mechanical fitter by trade, wow. um, I am a production supervisor for a chemical plant, uh, that's my full-time role. Um, and I mean, uh, anything else, I love music, mm-hmm. uh, get me on the dance floor anytime when my knee's not busted up. I just got, uh, I just had three knee surgeries. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about that because it was your birthday last week, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Happy birthday, yeah. man. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> I tried to like, like, uh, even my partner, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, ah, you know, you know, you get older, it's just, nah, I don't want to hear about it, you know? But at the same time, I'd love the 30s, man, because, you know, I got a wiser, got all the shit mistakes out of the way in the 20s. Mm. Um, so I feel like life started at 30, you know, so. I'm, I'm really happy that you said that because uh, a lot of, when you're in your 20s, I mean, a lot of kids are like, oh my God, I'm getting old, I'm getting old. I'm like, dude, it's relaxed. It's mm. not that bad. Nah, it's, it's not bad at all. Not. I mean, I'm only, I'm only 23 and I just said, I don't feel like my life's really kicked off just yet but you I, seem way more mature for a 23 year old man th- so and, and what you're doing man like i wish i started that young so good on you man you make all the little mistakes from the start at a younger age at least so well, it's good man well that's important because very important absolutely when you make i mean you only learn from mistakes right mm. i mean it's like when we can obviously we're going to be referring a lot to jiu-jitsu through this whole episode but 
you lose because you made a mistake or a fault in judgment or a fault in uh, decision making and then you learn from it and that's how you get better like the coach is like okay you lost that because you exposed your back or because you didn't have enough base or because you let him flatten you and then you learn through that and then all I can say is I've I'm 23 I've been for a fair amount to his age I made a fuckload of fuck ups up to this point <laughs> so that's really why you're so mature for 23 man you know Thank exactly you. and exactly what you're saying you know it's a, you have to you have yeah. to go through it and that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu you know mm -hmm. what i mean like um it's fun and you make all those mistakes in like a different sort of light i guess you could say but it's so easy to apply it to life you know true true well that's one thing that um another thing i was brought up with a conversation yesterday so you know keanu reeves uh Neo from The Matrix. Of course. Yeah, he does BJJ himself. Yeah. And he put up an article not long ago saying the more and deeper that you go into the sport, the less you have of a normal life. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how his history and all that, how he helped him prepare for roles and films. And so moving on now, it's like I kind of feel like everybody's got a story. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get yours out there. So how did you first get involved in BJJ? So, uh, well, the reason why I started um, – like when I was when I was younger, um, I was involved in a lot of crime, a lot yeah. of crime. Yeah, from a really young age as well. Um, I only just recently, a couple of weeks ago, went out for a drink with one of my mates that I grew up with, and he used to live down the street. And we were just reminiscing about the old time, and he was saying, "Man, you were telling me like the next door neighbor had all these Pokemon cards, and like you were telling me when the dad was rolling up and when we could go in there." Like, I, yeah, I just I don't know. I started with stealing from like a young age. And uh, it kind of like spiraled out of control from there. Really, um, it went from from stealing to uh, to to uh, fights at school, um, and then eventually worked his way up to what, what the police called organised crime. Um, and I mean, it was it was, like you were talking about mistakes. Yeah, I made a lot of them through that sort of that pathway, you know. And it was a very deep and dark pathway. Um, it got to a point where. Um, I was looking at 25 years. Holy shit. Yeah, I got caught up in some stuff and, and I was looking at 25 years. So it was really heavy. And, um, you know, I was with I was working with a guy, Crimson Cruz. He owns um, C2 Martial Arts. He was working uh, for my old boy at the time and he started there. And he was telling me about jiu-jitsu and how it can help you and all these sorts of things. And I just loved fighting at the time, you know what I mean? I thought I was the biggest, baddest guy on the street, you know what I mean? Mm. The ego was through the roof, you know? So I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, let me join, you know? I want to come down there, I want to scrap, you know? It's something that really interested me. Um, so he, I begged him, because he, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, like, sometimes when you start jiu-jitsu, you have mates you meet, and they're like, I want to start, I want to start, especially yeah. when you're the drink. You're yeah. like, no worries, come down Monday. Never see them, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, I, and he obviously... I kind of felt that way. So he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've ended up, ended up starting, went there, went there saying I want to do MMA, you know, like a lot of us uh, blokes do. Um, so uh, Grayson and the guys, they were like, well, you got to learn your ground game, you know what I mean? So you got to start there. Mm -hmm. So I started there and um, I just fell in love with it, man. And um, I mean, on top of other things, like um, things that was going through my life, like, uh, like I was saying to you when I was going through that court stuff at the time, it was it was it was really heavy, and if it wasn't for jujitsu um, happening at the same time or correlating with the the same path, I don't I, I probably would have fell back into it after that situation, because 
I got humbled. I got humbled, and that's and and we we'll go deep into the brand later. But the re- one of the reasons why I called the the brand humble is because when I went through my court stuff, it was so heavy. It humbled the shit out of me for that short period of why it was happening, uh, which was a space over two years. So it was it went into a trial wow. and it went over two years. Yeah, because there was a few people involved, and we were all getting reminded. But anyway, um, so it was over a long period. So I was humbled, like because of what I was going through at that point. But jujitsu like continued it and it, it just it just evolved it it made it stronger it made it deeper um but i mean at the same time i'm not saying like i didn't start the brand saying that i'm the most humble person out there you know like you can't market a brand if you if you're too humble you know like what do you say like come come try our gear it's okay you know like it's okay you want to buy it like it's got to be like good gear high quality like you got to talk with some confidence you know what i mean yeah, I correct people, correct so I'm not saying I'm, uh, you know, a complete humble person. I mean, I don't know if you know one of our athletes, um, Henan uh, Dantas. I've uh, heard of him. From, from Coringa, uh, yeah. Um, what I know is I've never met any of the athletes other than Jamil personally, uh, except for Matt. I've met oh, yeah, Matt yeah, Chaos, Chaos. Yeah, um, yeah. once, um, very briefly. Uh, but I hear all good things about him because I follow them all. And I feel like the, the guys you got repping your brand, I feel like they're so fucking loyal to it. It's phenomenal to they're, see that oh, yeah they're yeah. such good guys man yeah. and you know what i was saying about Henan, like he that guy's definition of humble you know mm-hmm. what i mean like uh, i look up to those guys in that area because um you know i admire that personality trait you know like it's 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 so rewarding um when you can kind of you know balance the both because um you know give respect to everyone man you know and 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 expect nothing back um and Going back to, you know, what we were saying before about lessons and things like that. Like, there's a saying, I think Mike Mike Tyson um, said it, but you got to lose yourself to find yourself. And when I was in that period of, um, you know, crime and violence and that sort of stuff, like, I completely lost myself, man, completely. And I had a good parents, man, you know. I've, I've got Burmese background, Asian parents, lovely, beautiful, so loving. They had nothing to do with it. It was just my personal problem with my insecurity, I was an overweight kid, you know, so mm. it was kind of my way to justify myself by rebelling out and doing all these bad things because the people around me were like kind of applauding me for it, you know, like you're cool and it's like, sweet, like I'm overweight and I'm feeling insecure but these guys are saying cool so I'm going to do more crazy shit, I'm going to you know, do more crime because I'm, I'm getting validated from it, you know what I mean, in a positive way but really it was negative as fuck, you know what I mean? Um, so... Yeah, so it was like back to that, but yeah, man. So I started jujitsu and that, and and then man, it just it sunk in it, as it does. The yeah. bug kicks in, um, and then um, it just kind of slowly worked its way in, and then twelve years later, man, here we are. You know, fuck. So I just want to say real quick about, uh, but don't incriminate or anything like that. But uh, with the whole court thing, is that still going on? Or is that all? No, no, no. That was. Oh, long gone. Yeah, 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 long gone, bro. Uh, gone completely, man. Um, it was like, it was between like 19 and 22. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I was a kid, bro. Yeah, 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 kid. Um, and, you know, the biggest lesson um, that I that I took away from that was like, it really helped me understand myself, you know. Like, it made me look in the mirror and, and reflect when I, was, when I was in the heat of it. Well, I'll tell you a little story uh, mm-hmm. in regards to that, that really made the real hard impact. And it's a little bit hard for me to say, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit, I guess, uh, personal. But you know, when I when I had to tell my mum about the situation mm. and that I was potentially going away for a, for a long time, 
she, I had to hold her up, bro. She she was crying wow. so hard she couldn't stand and she was screaming that she didn't want her baby to go to jail, you know. Wow. And, man, it. I, I was never around when my parents split. So, like, I've never seen my mum heartbroken, but I knew, like, then that I broke my mum's heart, man, you know, and it really, really affected me and it made me really think about who I am, where I'm going and what I'm doing. And, um, you know, that situation, you know, brought it to light and then jiu-jitsu just made sure that it happened, you know what I mean? And uh, that's why I'm so uh, passionate about, um, you know, the humble message, but not only that, jiu-jitsu. And, and that's why I started the program at high schools with my mate Dan uh, Clearpath. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to uh, get... Uh, jiu-jitsu programs into high schools and we're currently running one at the moment really um, that's yeah. awesome dude because and i don't want to say which high school because i'm not too sure about their policies but yeah. it's a very well-known high school yeah that's okay we um, can keep keep the names out of it but yeah. still the program what you're doing is phenomenal because i honestly believe if i can relate to you in some way i mean i've never had <sighs> stared down a court but i felt like when you're a teenager you're so insecure about who you are absolutely and i did I never did, I did a little bit of uh, martial arts in, in primary school and high school, but I never did BJJ until I turned 21, 22. And then, well, what was it say? It was uh, in high school, everybody's insecure. Everybody's like trying to one up each other. And no one, but the best thing about, another thing about BJJ, BJJ is it teaches you to be vulnerable and it teaches you to uphold yourself. And I felt like if kids can learn that from a very, very young age, Mate, I also I would argue even more for girls mm. than boys. Yes. Then I feel like that's going to really, really help you down the line. Um, and I felt like also bullying nowadays is fucking horrible. Never hide that. Cyberbullying, man. It's outrageous, right? Oh, dude. Uh, it, it, firstly, for myself, one day, uh, I'm going to tell a funny story. <laughs> when, yeah, yeah, go, bro, go. when we started this podcast, um, I actually encountered a lot of hate from it because, well, we were a couple of young, me and my mate at the time, so me and my best friend, we were pretty much just a couple of dudes just talking shit in his uh in his in his house and all that every Sunday. And then every Sunday when we'd upload to something, he would get annoyed because he would always respond to the comments on YouTube. And I said, mate, don't fucking respond to those people because you don't know anything about it and it's not gonna get anything out of it. And then it's just nonstop arguing and it was always like, You guys are shit, why do you have this guy on? This guy's terrible, you don't know anything about fighting. It's and then it, but I'm like saying we're adults here and all that, and you're still acting like five year olds. It's like that when you're in high school. Everybody's fucking talking shit about each other. So, um, at what uh, referring back to martial arts in high school, it's it's definitely something that's going to help you down the track. Um, so how how long have you guys been doing that program for? Are you trying to get it started now? So we've been doing it for one term now, which is term four. Okay. Um, we got. I think the last class until we hear about if they want to continue it to next year is next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to hear back from the school uh, before next Wednesday whether they want to continue it. looks very positive. Um, mm-hmm. The principal and everything, the you know, we, we've been talking back and forth. They've gone and watched the classes and they said it's very clear the kids are loving it. Um, man, I seen this kid yesterday. I was at one of the classes yesterday and I seen this young kid. He'd only been training for, what, nine weeks now, ten weeks next week. And, man, he had this kid in an armbar, right? Yep. They were doing a little bit of positional sparring, and it was to, um, like, to try to pull the armbar off. So this kid got the armbar. He had him in the armbar, right? The guy wasn't – the other kid wasn't tapping. Mm. So he takes the hook off 
the top of the neck, allows the kid to sit up. He swings around, pulls him into his back, and sinks in the rear naked choke. Oh, this wow. kid's only been trained for nine weeks, man. Wow. And I was sitting across the other side of the mat, and I jumped up and I said, "Bro, I see you. I seen <laughs> that. That was amazing. Yeah. It was so smooth, and it looked like it comes so natural. And it was like from a kid that been trained for nine weeks." And like I seen these kids how happy with it. You know, like boys just want to wrestle and let's grab each other, throw each other around. And you see these guys like doing that in a controlled atmosphere and they're allowed to you know, let it all out and, 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 and it not be um you know, they're not be prosecuted for it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um it, it's so rewarding, man, you know. So I'm hoping that, you know, the the school um says yes, we want it next year, and then me and Dan are gonna start looking at other schools and approaching other schools and try and get two two going, you know, and things like that. Because also it's opening out opening out opportunity coaching opportunities, you know. We got we got four coaches. Um, you know, we pay seventy bucks for the head coach, sixty bucks for an assistant coach, uh, and they and we got them on a roster, so they're always changed around, everyone gets gets a go. So I mean if we can get two schools going, we can get another four co- coaches going, it opens it opens up these other coaches that are at other gyms to be able to get more work and you know hopefully one day we can grow up to where it can be a full-time job for people you know what I mean where they can jump around from schools and clubs and just be a full-time jiu-jitsu coach you know that'd be amazing that'd be phenomenal I mean especially when when schools incorporate martial arts because I mean back in like the 70s and the 80s boxing used to be in a lot of uh, boys schools and used to be very popular as well but now they've thrown that out but to just have martial arts in schools is I reckon it would encourage uh, a lot of kids to you know, take action and all that, and it can also be highly beneficial. Now, referring back to that, now, knowing you and that you've been doing it for so long, earlier on you spoke about uh, you've been competing and you went to Brazil. Mm. Now, as we know, Brazil was the origin of uh, Absolutely, yeah. BJJ. So tell me a little bit about that story. What was the – was it to go over there to compete or because you wanted to? What was it? Well, uh, I was actually doing FIFA at the time. I was doing two-on-ones. Um and I always said, like, when I started jiu-jitsu that I, I wanted to go to Brazil and I wanted to compete, you know. And uh, even though the situation didn't really accommodate it well because I could only train every third week because I was doing two-on-ones. Wow. Um, and I was coming off night shift. So in that that in that six days of being home, you know, I'd probably train maybe three, four times mm-hmm. because coming off night shift just wrecks you, you know, and it's not good for your uh, body clock. But um, but anyway, so I was training every third week as much as I could. Um and it didn't make sense. And when I told the guys at work what I was doing, they're like, but you hardly train. Like, you're not, you're doing FIFA, you know? And I, but I knew that I would regret it when I'm 50, you know, or 60, where I'm like, I was in the prime, I was going good, I was fit, and I didn't do it because, you know, it didn't make sense. Like, that's bullshit, man. Like, mm. if you want to do it, you do it, you know what I mean? So I booked the tickets and, and I went and I went there for for a month. I uh, got Airbnb, just stayed there, Airbnb. And <laughs> funny enough, I got, I got an Airbnb room, but didn't know it was across the road from the favelas. So, like, I'm hearing gunshots and fucking all these things <laughs> from, like, when I'm – because I've got to walk to the gym. It's a half an hour walk to the gym, and I've got to walk past this uh, this district that wow. was called the favelas. And um, I'm, I actually – I don't know if you've ever heard of Ryan Ford. He does the BJJ Fanatics podcast. Mm-hmm. He was training there also, and he ended up – and we are still good mates now. We still talk. Um and he he kind of took me under his wing because we could only speak we both speak English. I knew very little Portuguese, mm. but I knew a line to tell uh, people in Portuguese that I can't speak Portuguese. <laughs> but I, like I knew that fluently because I'd <laughs> say it all the time, you know. Um, but yeah, so I was there with him, and he kind of took me under his wing, and he was like, "Ask me like, why why you get a room there, you know?" But anyway, it worked out that. But it was a massive eye opener, man. Massive, massive, massive eye opener um, to like what we have here. 
Mm-hmm. And what there is out there, I mean, everyone, I mean, it's no people that travel, it would be no surprise. But if you haven't traveled, you got to at least go one time to a place like that. Even like Bali, like Bali, yeah, is obviously like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, like it was just different. The you know, culture, like, the culture in Brazil, what I've been told about a couple of people visit over there is it's very, very, um, it's very, it's different to Perth. Like when you see people in Perth, like, uh, you know, if you're walking down the street, you know, you wouldn't really say hello to everyone and all that. But in Brazil, at night, when they have the festivals, it's like everybody's family and everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And the way of living is so different to uh, Perth. Like, you know, a lot of people in Perth are all about the hustle and the bustle and the grind of the city. Where in Brazil, everything's just so relaxed. Yeah. And deep culture, man, deep culture and a lot of love. Like, even though I couldn't communicate with a lot of them, their body language was just love, you know what I mean? And um, and they're so energetic and happy, man, you know? Like, you go to a lot of these places and they seem very happy. Uh, one time I remember I was walking home from, from training and I walked past a service station and, like, there was all this commotion and all these people just out the front of the service station. Like, in like they it looked like there was, like, a mechanic area. Like, you know how we have, like, a, a carport mechanic area next door to some servos it looked like that but it was all shut down but there's all these people and everyone yelling and carrying on so i've just gone over snoop to have a look and there's a couple of like brazilian ladies dancing and there's another three guys on bongos and they're just <laughs> they're going up and everyone's just having a good time everyone's dancing and the energy is just it's unreal you know and these people were you know living in the environment they are they seem like they're just having such a great time you know and it, it's unreal, man, because a lot of places uh, in the areas that I was in, you know, there was, you know, barbed wire, you know, like, it just, you get the vibe that people were trying to keep people out, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and, and it's crazy, you know, so it was a big, massive eye-opener. Uh, the talent there is unreal, as you could imagine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Unreal, man. I, I was lucky enough to see Damien Meyer, because I went oh. to Damien Meyer's gym. Wow. Uh, I trained at his gym that whole time, and I was lucky enough to see him hand out uh, a few black belts and, and a few purples and things like that, and, and I got to meet him. Oh, man, this is how nice this guy is, right? Yep. So he, he did a he did an X-Guard um, technique. X-Guard, yep. He took the class, and he, he was running it over X-Guard, and um, – he said it, he said it, he would always say it in Portuguese first, but then he'd look at me and he'd say it in English just for me. Again, while everyone's still standing and watching, he'd do the technique again, but he'd do it in English and he'd look just at me because I couldn't. He knew that I couldn't understand him. And man, like I already loved the bloke, but I'm like, I, I said to him later, I'm like, you're unreal, man. You know, like I really, really appreciate you like doing that. You know, because no one needed to hear it again in English. You know, yeah. but you know, it, it was amazing, man. So. Yeah, it was humbling, man, and uh, yeah, competing was 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 unreal. Also, uh, yeah. it was very intimidating because, um, well, walking into the stadium because uh, Brazilians are very loud and um, oh, yeah. very vocal at, mm. at comps. You know, they all st- yeah, boa isso isso, yeah. and they all like stepping on the fence and going for their teams. Yeah, so I was gonna say because I know that because I recently I just finished Rick's and Gracie's book Breathe. Oh yeah, of Have course. You read yeah, it? yeah, no, I haven't. No, no, no. phenomenal. But I need to absolutely. Yeah, phenomenal shit. Um, he talked about valet Tudo fights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which are like the uh, they're almost like street fights. Old school, much. Yeah. yeah. That's like insane. And he talked about like how he would literally the Gracie family would literally fight people on the beach yeah. and all those days. And he talked about the culture of like fighting and all that. And at a time they didn't quite understand BJJ because they're so used to fists. And then they see people take it to the ground and they start trying to choke each other. Like, what is this? This is very different. This isn't street fighting. This is something else. And he sort of introduced it. And then he talked about how it became so popular and all that. And then there's, but uh, if you go and he talked to this one specifically, 
he always has loved his much love competing. He would nothing be the same as competing in a stadium in Rio compared to competing in a stadium in America because America's they um you know they do get passionate, but it's so passionate in uh, Rio, like it's almost deafening. The it, sound. No, it yeah. is. It's, a, it's absolutely that. Yeah. So, like when I was waiting for my bracket, so trying to get find my bracket was a nightmare because <laughs> Google Translate wasn't working properly, and so I ended up seeing this guy, and I could see he's a brown buddy, and he looked around my size. So I just followed this guy around the whole stadium, waiting for him to go up to the line. Went up to ended up going there. Getting, anyway, found out later that I don't know if you heard of Alex Muniz. He, he's actually we actually sponsor him over in Brazil. It was actually him that I was following around, but I didn't know who he was at the time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so found, ended up finding my bracket and things like that. But man, like when they would say over the speaker and they're calling like uh, the brackets out, man, you can barely hear it. Eh? <laughs> it's crazy, man. Power goes out in the middle of the tournament as well. <laughs> Guys are running around, uh, push, uh, trying to um, put in extension cords here and there, trying to get the power on. And but um, yeah, it's super loud. It's super intimidating. But man, I learned so much from it, and um, definitely, definitely glad that I did it. You know, yeah. I mean, I didn't get the gold, which I was pretty heavy on myself about at the time because you're so close. You're in the finals, you know, what I mean? and then they just missed out. I would have loved to have come out with a gold medal, you know, but. Um, the experience alone outweighs the medals anyway. So, it, you know, it, it was it was awesome, man. I, and I highly recommend anyone to do it. Like, no matter how it doesn't fit into your life, like, make it fit. Because, like, for what I know now from that short period and what I've learned about myself and my jiu-jitsu, you know what I mean? If you're serious about jiu-jitsu, like, man, that's a very quick way to advance yourself, you know? Because yeah. you put yourself through the through the sauna, man. You know what I mean. Guys are world class, you know, world class, especially at Damien's gym, you know. So, yeah. And so, tell me, was the tournament itself was it a points or was it submission only that tournament? No, it was all points. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. points. It was all points yeah. So, what happened in the final? Then we just lost on the points, or lost on the points. So the guy ended up going getting my back, and oh, then okay. that's and that's how he won. But we were going at it pretty hard until like maybe the last two minutes. Um, and to be honest, I, I gassed out, you know mm. what I mean? So, uh, he ended up getting my back and he held the position till the end and then that's how he won. Yeah. Interesting. And what was it? 15 minute rounds or? Oh, dude, I can't remember. I think it might've been eight minutes. Eight minutes? I think. I can't yeah. remember. To be honest, yeah, so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it felt like bloody 20 minutes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Especially the finals, man. Fuck. So. Yeah, good. And now that you're back in Perth and all that and you're doing all this crazy shit, so. Of those 12 years, I would say you must have competed a solid amount of times and all that, you know. Did you ever think about, like, um, are you still competing now or is it something that you just... I did want to, man. Like, uh, my goal was always to compete in every belt level. Okay. Um, But now with my knee knee injury and what I've gone through with that, I just got to put it to bed because it doesn't pay the bills, you know, competing. It keeps yeah. me off from paying my bills, you know yeah. what I mean? So Is there a back and ask about the knee? Like, yeah, what's the of situation? course, man, what absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, me and one of the other brown belts were rolling and we kind of got into a position where I was standing and he was on his knees and then he just dove in for a double leg and he, and just my lead leg got hyperextended, and, you know what I mean? So And then it was all over from there. Um, but, but I didn't know. So I was hurting and all that and I just thought I partially tore it. Um, I kept, I ended up uh, keep training, I kept training after the pain went away. Uh, then I was boxing and I, and I stepped in for a body shot um, and then my knee like buckled and I fell on the ground and then that's when I tore my meniscus. Oh, no. So then when I went to get the MRI on the meniscus, he goes, get your ACL snaps like, and it looks like it's been snapped for like three, four months. Like, you know, oh, did no. you not know? 
So anyway, in, I ended up getting a knee reconstruction and a meniscus repair. They just tried stitching the meniscus up to save it. Uh, but then uh, those stitches failed and it didn't work. Uh, and then two weeks ago, I got 60% of my meniscus cut out, which was heartbreaking. No Because uh, I'll probably have to get a knee replacement when I get older. But I probably will anyway with jiu-jitsu. But now it's like I, I'm never going to run on concrete ever again. I'm probably never going to run. I'm just going to get a bike and just always bike, you know what I mean? Just to kind of minimize that impact on the on the knee. Um, but like, yeah, just I don't ever want to go through that again. But, you know, yeah. like it's just a bit of a shit time. But it comes with it. You know, you pick poison. You know, like I've told many people, you just pick your poison. You eat too many apples, your teeth rot. You know what I mean? If my undoing is because of jiu-jitsu, I'm good with that, man. You know, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, you sound, you sound obviously like, you know, you can live with it pretty well. Like, what's the situation on you right now? Can you walk okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can, yeah. I can walk and all that. Um, I should go uh, back to training hopefully July next year. Yeah. Uh, and that's just sticking out the 12 months and doing it right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Have you had any injuries? No, I am I'm extremely lucky. Um, that's one thing I take a lot of pride in is because Perfect. I fucking hate injuries. And mm. one thing that I learned from now, and I'm, I'm so glad I learned this, is I only spar once a week in BJJ because I am fucking scared. Of injuries, <laughs> of yeah. Of injuries yeah. because when, when you start for the first time, you don't know anything. You're just trying to get the down, guy down, just trying to do missions. Everyone's trying to force it. And the biggest thing that someone, one of the guys told me is just there's some massive guys in there in the gym, but they can move like featherweights. They can move so quickly because they just know where to go. And yes. it's so effortlessly mm. for them. And I wanted it to be like that. So, And it's mainly because when you're young and all that and you're trying to preserve your body and all that, it's just you wake up in the mornings and you're stiff and you're back. And I'm like, what's this going to be like when I'm in my 50s? No, I don't want to be. Smart man, man. Smart man. Absolutely. For your age, man. That's awesome. And my dad, my my dad, oh God, I love him. He's a black, he's a third down black belt in judo. Mm. So he's been through the works. He's got. Oh, so that you get a lot of knowledge from there too, right? On like injury um, yeah, um, you know, stopping injuries and things like that. Because judo is like the the gears, man, are fucking heavy. Yeah. So he's starting to get a little bit of arthritis in his hands from doing all those years of the gear. Yeah. He's got arthritis in one of his knees. He's got no cartilage in another one, and it's just, it's just like that's why I'm like I'm always telling people take it easy, learn as much as you can, and then when you really need to go hard, go hard. Mm. Ah, uh, so that's one thing. So man, that's yeah. hell good, man, especially oh. for your age. But you also, I've seen that you lift a lot too, man, which which supports a lot of your joints. You know, yeah. Where my problem is, is I don't have the biggest legs, so I think that also uh, contributed to it. Um, you know, not having that sort of structure around the knee. Um, but you see, like a guys that have a lot of big tree trunk legs, they don't really get that many knee problems. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I'm sure they still do, but uh, it's, it seems a bit less. So no, nah, it's good, man. If you can find that balance of like still being able to uh, get the the kick from uh, jujitsu as well as staying healthy, like that's 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 it right there, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's hard because sometimes you get so dove into to one way that, like, and you forget, and yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, but no, nah, it's good, man. For your age, that's awesome. Well, it's just a, it's a whole it's a mentality thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I tell everyone. Absolutely. Uh now here's the best. This is the sweet spot that I wanted to really come into because, um, how I first came across your brand was one time in the gym and all that, and I remember the exact rash guard it was. It was the black humble rash guard, and it had all the flags around the back of it and then I just thought that is and I went up to him and said mate what are you wearing like where did you get one of these and he showed me the website I was like far out this isn't this is crazy and all that and then I um me and Jamil started getting in touch and talking to each other and he 
we he would gave give me a couple of sessions and was always wearing the United. And I was like, "Fuck, where's this, where's this rash guards coming from?" <laughs> and then all that. So, I mean, that's that's the one thing I really wanted to talk about now and spend a great deal of this podcast talking about because I feel like when it comes to Perth, I mean, Perth brands, I feel like do not get enough attention as they deserve, and Perth entrepreneurs don't get enough attention as they deserve because. Being an entrepreneur is probably one of the fucking <laughs> craziest and riskiest things ever. Yeah. And then, so that's, hopefully we can get it going. So let's talk about Humble, man. So give me the backstory. How did we come, how did we start this uh, sort of thing? Because we talked briefly earlier on about your time in uh, crime and all that. So when, when did it first start? So when it first started, it was, well, nearly two years ago now, um, and, and I got the, the name from, because when I was when I was thinking about it, because I've always wanted to have a clothing brand, uh, I've probably for the last seven years, I procrastinated on it and, you know, wanted to do it, but always psyched myself out of it. Um, and it wasn't, it's, this is actually my second time of trying a business. So the first one failed and this is my actually second time of trying for a business. So I was also fighting that too. Like, can I do it? First one, you know, failed, you know? Um, but then I got to a point where I just had enough of thinking about it and I just had, had to do it. Uh, so I chose the name because I wanted, if, if shit was to hit the fan, I wanted it to feel like I was losing a piece of myself, you know, that I, that if I was to give up, it means I was giving up on myself to have, I was like to call it like veda industries or something like it means mm. nothing like it mm. might sound cool but like it if you know it doesn't mean nothing to wear you know humble fight where like it's deep you know what i mean it runs deep so i will fight harder if, if things was ever to to not be good uh so i chose that as a name and then man like i knew nothing about anything with designing <laughs> like, like nothing <laughs> yeah. bro like completely i'm a mechanical fitter you know what i mean like yeah. you know i can fix things but when it comes to like computer and design and things like that i mean I've, i could always draw so like i could you know that side i was okay but like the computer size design didn't have a clue so man i just started watching shit loads of youtube videos and tutorials yeah exactly um heaps of tutorials on you know how to use uh illustrator photoshop just and just taught myself uh through trial and error on how to use these programs um and then um and then yeah just found suppliers and and started talking with them and and getting things made and kind of just growed it from there you know and a big shout out massive shout out to jamil you know um so much love and respect for that guy uh he's a massive player in, in where humble is now and i'll be forever uh grateful for him you know and he'll always have a piece uh his place in humble um because you know he he helped get it out there a lot, you know, with with how well he is uh, with marketing and things like that. Um, so you know, yeah, it went from just trial and error on designs and, and getting samples, and then you know when I had one good uh, design, which was the SRP, the black and the gold one. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen that, man. I've seen that more. was that yeah. was like the very first one. Yeah. So like once that one come out, I, I bought a shitload of those and. Then I was like, fuck, let's just get him out and see, yeah. and see what happens, you know, and just go hard. Um, and so I just went hard and uh, Jamil went hard and, you know, you know, we both worked together to get it where it is, you know. Yeah. So that's um, – there's one other thing I want to talk about, like, as well, because you – have some uh, we spoke about earlier you got some guys working under you and by the way i love that new little uh, ad you put out of the uh, ranked uh rash guards where it's all the guys standing is like a whole smoke of colored chalk smoke. yeah yeah oh man that was so fun to shoot too yeah. Was, yeah, how, yeah. Did, how did you come up with that idea that was awesome bro I, to be honest i i seen uh something on instagram where someone was stomping on chalk okay. and then they were taking a photo of it like 
splatting out a bit or like puffing up a bit mm-hmm. and then i was like oh i like that so then i i, I started researching colored chalk and then i found a uh, supplier so I, I bought all these different colored chalks and i was like oh i can correlate it with uh correlate it with the um the ranks you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so i bought the colors to suit the ranks and then when we shot it uh, I, I laid down all the tops and everything and shout out also to emma who does the does, does our visuals she's an absolute guru as you see like the videos she does outrageous uh, and we've got a new one coming out too she see it's you check it out it's amazing um but yeah so laid it at the top out and just had the guys there and like there was two of us diagonally either side behind them and we we're just throwing it <laughs> and it was the funnest thing ever bro. we were all covered in chalk like there's a photo um there's that we're all like covered in chalk and we're all hugging each other uh, but everyone was getting covered in chalk and it was fun because like we just got to like pour all this chalk on our hand and just like dish it at the side of the faces and like wow. some of the some of the shots were funny because like some of the like w- they wouldn't like totally dissipate they would just like kind of stay it can't be like that's right in their face <laughs> so, yeah it's good fun man but yeah it's good stuff awesome so i mean ours as, as an entrepreneur i mean you, how long's humble been around for now uh about a year and a half over a year and a half so yeah. the birthday should be uh may next year may next year okay because yeah. it hits oh, i mean it's it's coming out well i mean and what was the name of the brand that you were doing before humble what was the one that you said that failed no, so it wasn't a brand. Oh, it was okay. actually a, a business I had in construction. Oh. Um, and it, and it kind of – so the old boy uh, for 30 years had a crane business. Okay. Uh, and, and part of that department was we used to install uh, hoists for construction sites where they'd do high-rises apartments. Uh, we would construct a hoist that would take the men and all their tools and everything – up as the apartment um, was getting jumped up at the, and getting built, so I, I, you know, when my old boy closed his his business down, I because I would been doing it for like eleven years at the time, I was like, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to go do it. To cut the story short, uh, I had a big contract with Hanson. I don't know if you've ever seen him. They got all the purple uh, or pink um, stuff. Jerry Hanson's. Um, place but anyway so i had a contract there and it didn't work out and then it kind of was hard to get more work because um like at that time like things were getting a bit harder okay so um i ended up just and i know i didn't love it you know what i mean like i just did it because like i knew it for 11 years so i just carried it on um and then uh it didn't work out and then yeah then i and then yeah then i started humble probably Oh, a few years after. Yeah, because I, if I did the math correctly, you must have started humble when COVID was going around. Yeah, yeah. So and like I didn't even time it. Like I started yeah. it before COVID, but it worked out well because then we all had this time, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it, I'm a big believer in the universe, man. You know what I mean? Like massive believer that things happen for a reason, and and when you come in line with your path, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That man, crazy things have happened. Like where I'm like, you know. Why did that work out so well? It wasn't meant. I'll give you a quick story. So when um, I was meant to do SGT, um, I think it was the first one that we did. Um, I think it was SGT. But anyway, so I bought a shitload of restocker hoodies, right? Mm-hmm. That whole week, it was stinking hot, right? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, how am I going to get rid of all these hoodies? Like, And I was saying to my missus, and I was like, you know, if the universe wants to help me out, you know, for some reason it will rain on that day. Bro, it rained on that day. The whole week, it was stinking hot. Bro, on the Sunday, it was raining and shit. Fucking hoodies sold. (laughs) All the hoodies went. And I was like, what the hell? Like, And it's just little things like that where, and then you hear about, you know, people talking about it, you know, when you're in line with what you're meant to do and what you love and what you dream and all those things. Like, the universe hears you out and it just kind of, and that's only one story, but lots of little things like that's happened, you know? Yeah, it's 
mm. I, I can definitely relate. I'll tell you personally myself. Yeah, like what happened was um, me and my best mate, we used to run this. Uh, well, it was actually two things, really. So um, me and my best mate, we started this, you know, together. And then it was four, four months ago. Uh, no, three months ago, uh, he said to me, hey, man, I don't want to do this anymore. It feels like a chore. Mm. And I said to him, okay, but I will not fucking stop because I oh, am nice. I'm, I'm just so fucking stubborn. Mm. The second thing that happened, not only just recently, was two weeks before then, I, I had given up, or not given up, but I'd, I'd retired from being a male stripper. So from the time I was 18 to 22, um, sorry, 18, yeah, 18 to 22, I'd basically been one of the youngest male strippers in Perth because fresh out of high school started doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's another life. That. <laughs> it was a fun time. So you got the moves. All right. Yeah, yeah cool, thank right? you. <laughs> so the whole, the, it was something I loved. And one of the reasons actually why I left um, stripping was because I wanted to do more BJJ. So we had to do rehearsals once a week and it was on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights. And it was always going down during, during the Shark Tank. And I loved the Shark Tank so much. Um, and then that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do some do more BJ. There was a whole bunch of other reasons. But in the space of like three weeks, it went from leaving stripping to my mate leaving the podcast to, okay, what now? I'm left with all this stuff. And then it came to this. And I discovered this place. My mate told me about it. So my client told me about it. And I was like, holy shit. And then the first episode I did in here was with my manager and his partner, uh, Vincent Keisha. That episode all of a sudden did better all of a sudden than all the other episodes I filmed before that. And they weren't even having, they didn't even have many followers at the time. Mm. So I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then I had more people come on and then I had um, and I another couple of personal trainers and that got the highest views and I had all this, another guy on who was quite small time, that got more views. And then they're all messaging me saying, hey man, from your, I got three new clients on my thing. I got... Wow. hundred new followers. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Amazing, like, man. I love hearing stories like yeah, that, man. Because it was, I thought, fuck, i got to rebuild everything. i got to yeah. go on my own. But in height, in when you look back at it, like the, some of the worst things that happened, not the worst things, but some of the bad things that really happened to us are actually the start of a lot of good. Uh, Set up, good, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I asked, I was talking to, um, what is it? My dad about it the other day. I was like, it's just, it's so weird. It's like, well, there's a saying, son, like, when you feel like your life is falling apart, it's actually falling into place. So I was like, and that just stuck with me ever since. And that's such a positive way of looking at it, yeah. right? And when you look at it that yeah. way, yeah. It, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it it is what you look at it, you know, like in the way you look at it. If it's a negative, it will be negative. If it's yeah. positive, it will become positive, you know? Like it's, it's simple as that. Yeah. But that's a great story, man. Like <laughs> and a good triumph, man, because it's paying off, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it is. I mean, but here's the thing though. With, when it comes to... Podcasts don't make uh, the amount of money I've made is that much. Yeah, yeah. Don't. But it's just it's not I just, even about I just that like though, to, you know? it never and it, it never shouldn't is. be. But it's nice to watch things grow and it's nice to meet and connect with people. And that's the thing. And at the end of the day, that's what podcasts should be about. Now, uh about the business and all that. So, what's um what's the goal for you for 2022? Now that we closed the books in 2021, what are you where are you hoping to take humble? Uh, East Coast, man. So, East like, Coast, yeah, yeah we've, we've been getting quite, like, recently because now uh, we stock at uh, the Fight Factory of East there. Mm -hmm. So, like, now that's really helped um, boost us over at the East Coast. So a lot of orders on the website are coming from, a lot from Newcastle um, and things like that. So, 
I'm hoping that we just kind of hit that area a bit harder and, um, you know, try and find some um, some people over there we can connect with and can kind of help that grow over there as well. Um, but, yeah, just next year would be just to try to make us more known in Australia to where, like, maybe the first year was it to be known in Western Australia, obviously, you know, in Perth. Uh, I'm not saying we've got that down lock, but there's a lot of people that do know about it, um, mm-hmm. thanks to uh, Fabio and, and Adam and that for allowing us to go to the comps. Um really helped us to get known in Perth but yeah uh, the next year and moving forward will be to to be well known over there as well and uh, hopefully be you know and the end goal is to be worldwide you know end goal you know I've always aimed for the stars man and it, it might sound ridiculous now but hopefully in 10 20 years time I can listen back to this podcast and go you know that kid was onto something yeah you, know, you never know and um you know that's what I'll be aiming for, man. So yeah, every year we'll try to advance, get it out there more, more designs. Um, and like what we're saying about with money, like it's not about money, man. Like I've given out so much free gear as well, mm. like because like I've, I, I, I know I to have it like a, a, a positive geared business, like I have to sell, but like I just want to see people wearing it. Yeah, you know? like yeah. I give you this shirt, you know, yeah. like it just makes me happy. Like seeing Mate, you sit across dude, there dude, with it a, with a humble t-shirt on. Like, I love it. I absolutely love thanks, it. Like man, the, the feeling it. of it as well. It's very light. It's very yeah. easy to where um i gotta understand and i gotta ask like how do you design your stuff like what do you have like a thought process that goes behind it so some days like i'll wake up and i have design the design bang straight in my head and then i'll put it out and i'll be like fuck that's fire you know what i mean or like um sometimes i know i need to start thinking forward to because it's such a long process from a design to uh being an end uh product that i know that okay you know this these designs are starting to well out like i need to start thinking forward and getting one in the so then sometimes i'm sitting there and like it's sometimes you get blocked you know what i mean i'm like okay today it's not working but uh, most of the time like i'll just play i'll play i'll try i'll research i'll look i'll try to get inspired uh there's a lot of people on instagram that i follow that i get a lot of inspiration from just like from photography just colors as well you know like seeing what colors work with what and what's in and what's not i follow a lot of people on my instagram because i want to see what's in you know what's everyone wearing what colors what styles you know what i mean so we can kind of run that path and also try to uh, reinvent it in some sort of way as well but um our style i mean i don't you know humble it might when from an outside looking in you might think there's a certain pattern of style but like i just do what feels good man you know like when i have a designer that feels good and like i love it we're gonna do it you know what i mean it's not like oh it's got to fit within these guidelines like nah we're not doing that when it's like man it's just i want it to be free and one day when i have it had, you know a team of designers you know just like do you you know what i mean like do you and like you, you should never restrict um uh, people creating you know what i mean and creativity should never restrict creativity you know that's how i feel you know that should you shouldn't restrict it. it should be free flowing with very minimal um rules in place to get the best you know what i mean so that's the kind of style I guess you could say just kind of and like in uh, the culture hype the the recent rash guard the white one yeah. um, that we did it kind of shows that you know it's very left field from everything else it's really out there it's quite it's colorful and it's very different but you know I love graffiti I love color yeah. and things like that and I wanted to incorporate it and I wanted to give a little bit of a hype to the graffiti culture and also the hip hop culture cuz you know you see a lot of rappers wearing colors and things like that um so yeah, that's where that rash guard come from. But yeah, man, like that's that's pretty much just how I work it. Wow. Fuck. I mean, I like, I think that graffiti is definitely something that you're onto because nowadays um, from the rash guards that I've seen, there, a lot of them are very dark. 
mm. you dark or white or anything like that. And it's always the ones that really stand out. Like one that makes me laugh every time is when I see um, the Craig Jones subscribe to my OnlyFans <laughs> yeah, rash cards. I love that. Yeah. Guys, and guys love that. And it's just that one idea that sometimes that's all you need, really. Yeah, yeah, known for that, man, and that, yeah. that whole line of stuff. And I feel like what you've got really well nailed down is the colors and the mix of them and the designs. Like when I saw that rash guard and it had all the flags on it, I was like, I've never seen that one before. And then I feel like that's never been done before. And I feel like that's what's going to attract people. Now, you said earlier on that it takes so long from, you know, design on paper to become the actual finished product. And mm. in short, why is that the case? Uh, because probably because I'm very particular um, and, you know, one person might look and say, no, nah, yeah, that's fine. But like, no, nah, it's not, you know, so mm. like, and I mean, everyone's probably like that with something they're so passionate about, you know Correct. what I mean? It's nothing, it's nothing special. When you love something so much, you want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably a lot of it's because of me, but also because like the the process of going from a sample to a, a production line, like um, you know, you got to there's just there's so much time in shipping and in manufacturing mm-hmm. that it just pushes it right out, you know. So like I've already started um, putting in works winter winter stuff, you know, wow. hoodies and, and and sweatshirts because. I w- you want to drop it at the right time, and I've and I've made mistakes in the first year where I didn't understand the timing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To where like now I'm getting smarter and learning more about the game that it, it's all about timing, and you need certain products to be you know dropped at a certain amount of time so they they go at a certain season and things like that. Um, and like there's an art to it. Like it's it's and then it's only art to it because there's so many moving parts that can stop that uh, process or slow that process down where it drags out and you end up being late. You know, and then you're dropping hoodies two weeks before summer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you so there's a bit of an art to it. So yeah, so that's why it really takes long. It's just the manufacturing, the shipping, and uh, the process of getting it right. Because if you, uh, if I was to get back a sample and I was like, because mm, like it always looks different. Well, not always, but majority of the time, like what you have on the design, like it can be different when it comes out in person. So you'd be like, oh, that looked really good on there, but. Yeah. Now it doesn't look good there, so yeah. I'll take it out. Then I've got to get another sample made, you know, if it was a if it was a drastic change. So then it extends it out longer. Sometimes, like what you what you print out is is exactly what it is, and it works out well. Like bang, done. That's a, that's a good time, you know. But sometimes it can just be a bit of a process of getting it exactly right. Some things aren't on paper, aren't yeah. really what they are. Really. Okay, that's yeah. fair point. That's that's fair point. Like um, now uh you got a whole bunch of stuff dropping in time for winter next year and all that, like yeah. the hoodies and rash guards. Okay, so for people listening, obviously people are going to be listening down the line. When can they – obviously you don't have the exact time date, but when can they sort of expect that if they're hoping We'll to be dropping uh, two sweatshirts and uh, one hoodie design for winter. So it's a start of winter around that time. Um, and it's going to be uh, – I'll just say vintage. Vintage. Yeah, vint- like, vintage like style. That. But jiu-jitsu, of course, you know. Yeah. But yeah, a little bit of vintage, you know. Good stuff, vintage good design. stuff. So what's, um, this one thing I always ask, because when you're in and down the path of, you know, starting a brand, you're going to encounter so much. But one thing I love that you told me was you didn't know what you're doing and you have to be self-taught. And then that's one thing I tell people. Um, but it also just have to just start. Uh, in the year and uh, nearly a year and a half that I've been podcasting. I've been on heap with some other guys and or I've talked, speaking to so many people and I say, well, what's one thing you got to do? I say, just start. It doesn't matter how shit or how bad it is when you start. When we first started this podcast, 
we had two cheap microphones which you had to plug into a laptop. We had to figure out how to download the software and how to set up the software. <laughs> yeah. We had to go to IKEA, buy a shitty table, and then one of the legs wouldn't screw in. Oh. So we had to use BlueTac to stick it in. Yeah. And then we had to cover the room because we had to make it a little bit darker. And then it took us like four hours from the time we started to when we actually started recording. But then again, you've got to go through the process of just starting. And since then, you're always going to encounter challenges. So I believe it's the mistake. Like One thing that's definitely been like a um, core element of this episode is that the mistakes do um, make us. And they show you, it shouldn't define us, but they can really launch us and all that. So yeah. in your time of running Humble, what has been the most challenging obstacle for you to overcome? I would probably say working um, with suppliers because the English barrier can be can be very difficult, okay. and it, you know something so small like that's misunderstood can can become something so expensive, and like you think you're on the same page, but you're not, and you work out the hard way that you weren't on the same page. So there's like a certain way, and I, and I don't know how I could explain it to you, but there's a certain way you got to talk to uh, to people. Like it's kind of like broken English, you know what I mean? Just to make it very clear. Um, and I'm not saying that that's gospel, that, but that's just how I do it. And it seems to have worked um, that they that we both have the same understanding. And, and I kind of repeat myself a lot to them and like they kind of get upset, but it's just like, you know, if shit hits the fan, I've got to deal with this and not you. So, you know, if I say it one more time, opposed to stopping it from happening, I'm going to say it one more time, you know? Um, so, you know, that's definitely been, been the hardest part, I would say, but you know what about what about yourself? What, what do you uh, reckon was the hardest part? Well, you reckon that like working out the tech was the hardest part? Well, that was that, and just you know, it's also you must always maintain the drive to keep going because now when you don't make money off this sort of thing and you got to pay your bills, you you get drawn on what uh you get drawn on how much effort you really should be putting in. So there was a point in here, the time when I was doing the podcast, when I was doing six interviews, well, no, not six, five interviews a week at one point for about a month because I just wanted it to go up. I just wanted it to go up. I mean, I was taking time out of everything and then I was taking time away from, you know, the, I'm a personal trainer, so I was taking time away from doing that and I was trying to build it. And the uh, and it's, and also the other thing I was encountered was the amount of hate. Um, people always... You know, call me up saying you got to do this better. You shouldn't talk oh, like that. You got to change your voice because you got a small accent. You should change the name. You should do this. You should do Where that. Where do these people get this time, eh? Well, that's it's crazy. That's dig. I know, I know. But sometimes it kind of can hurt when it comes from people you respect as well, people you thought who were your friends, and then you, that's just then you just got to keep going. I don't feel like I've encouraged one giant thing in this time, but I feel like it's just little small things. And I always tell everybody, you only fail when you stop. Yes. That's, the honest, yeah, that's the one thing. If you want to keep going at something, you got. so if you want to do something, you've got to just... It's okay keep, to fail. It's not okay to give up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's one. That's uh, that's that. But, I mean, because I'm still... This is still very young. This is still in its development phases. So, uh, yeah, it's just trotting along as we go, really. I mean, that's that's all I can say now. Um, cause we're getting into those last, last 10, 15 minutes of this. So, uh, there's one thing I did. What was the one thing I wanted to ask you? So when it comes to humble, mm. we, uh, so I spoke about, again, you've got guys like Jamil, you got Matt, you got, so, um, uh, you've got Hennen, Hennen and all these Beaches, guys. Yeah. So 
obvious there's actually two parts because two questions that we're gonna ask. So the first one is uh, how do you how do you decide? Okay, that's gonna be my guy. What do you look for in someone who say that's gonna be my athlete to rep the brand? Well, definitely the way that they hold themselves. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense if it was someone that just was disliked and it was arrogant and you know a bit of an asshole to be repped you know by the brand and plus i i base a lot of it off what i feel when i meet them so obviously looking at jiu-jitsu credentials you gotta you know uh i look at these guys and they've done well either over east or they've done well really uh done really well here um but but you know when i when i meet them like people like um jamil we hit it off um chaos i actually like known him from a very young age we used really? to play together as kids so like i've always known uh maddie uh and peaches and jesse and that we've met around in the jiu-jitsu scene um but you just feel like it's hard to explain but you know yourself like when, when you're a creator like you have a good connection with with your gut you know and your intuition and what well, i feel like i do anyway and like you know the energy you know you feel the energy that people uh bring and and things like that. and if it doesn't feel right i don't care if you're a world champion like if it doesn't feel right so mm-hmm. i'm like you know what i mean like i humble is here for a long run and i'm willing to do it as slow as it takes like i'm not looking for no quick fame no quick jump to the top like yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be chilling at the bottom for years yeah. and just learning how to do everything perfectly yeah and then slowly start going from there so yeah so like it, i just got to feel right i'm a big person with energy like uh i like giving a lot of energy and i um you know i, I always try to think positive and 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 uh, be a happy person you know both my parents are very happy people and so i kind of only really know that way to try to be happy and energetic and 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 try to give back uh, maybe not so much when I was younger, but uh, definitely found out the hard way that doesn't work. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, but yeah, man. So that's what I base it off. It's just the feeling, the gut feeling, the energy, uh, how they hold themselves, and and obviously how how good they are in, in jiu-jitsu, Yeah, love that. I love that, man. Uh, and the second point I wanted to second thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, a majority of my audience is actually a lot of young young kids you know obviously my age mm. and uh, quite a few people in their 20s but one thing i always like to tell people is this isn't just a you know fighting and you know what is it uh all things fighting and health podcast like it's something as well for people who want to start out and things because i'm always preaching young people or people who want to go on that dream start now okay yes Whereas people older who just want to build on something so personally someone such as yourself um this is a two this is a two-part question so you've been practicing BJJ twelve years. Mm-hmm. Humble's been running around for a year and a half. So what's the first? What's one? What's some pieces of advice you would tell anybody who's starting off BJJ for the first time? And what's some pieces of advice you would give to someone who's starting off a brand for the first time? I would say, uh, great, two good questions. Uh, I would say jujitsu, if you can, like what you're doing, like pick your roles. Yeah. It's very easy to get the craziness and you want you know to get really caught up in starting, but if you can learn how to pick your roles from a very early start, a very uh, uh, yeah, starting your jiu-jitsu uh, career or journey, uh, you're gonna it's gonna really uh, benefit you a lot. Um, and, I, and I mean, maybe it's coming from me just having knee surgery, but uh, you, if you love it and you you obviously want to do it forever, you want to try to preserve your body. So best tip I could give is pick your roles if you see a guy's just started and he's getting a little crazy or he's, he's much bigger than you and he's just started you know maybe just pass you know what I mean like don't be like oh because he's a new guy and he's jacked like I want to prove that I can tap a guy out like that because there's 
there's a good chance you could possibly get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so pick your roles, and and if you can, like try to manage your ego as best you can, you know. And um, that's because but that's one thing that I didn't do when I first come in, and a lot of us probably, you know. And that's why Jiu Jitsu is so powerful because it's it, it teaches you ego management. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can from early from an early uh, age or starting in your Jiu Jitsu journey, try to manage your ego as best you can. And when you know that it's fueled by ego, just reflect on it, think about it, and and see like what am I gonna get out of this? Yeah. If I was to do this, um, so yeah, man, I would probably say that. And um, humble wise, like we were saying, to just give it a crack. Yeah. Like if you're thinking about starting a brand, just do it. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's expensive, but just do it. If you love it, it's your. If it's your dream, if you've been thinking about it for a long time, and and you and you want to do something for you, just do it. Yeah, just start it. And then when you do start it. Go easy on yourself. Like, don't don't think you're gonna master it straight away. No. You know what I mean? Like, understand you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're meant to fuck up. Like, yeah. you are meant to fuck up. And there's been a couple of times, even still now, I've got to reflect and go, like, bro, it's only been a year and a half. Like, you're meant to fuck up. Yeah. Like, this is meant to happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't get upset because it's happening. Yeah. You know, be happy because it is happening. You know, like, be happy there is a process starting and that you're embracing the fuck ups. You know. But what you said as well is like the two very much well interlap because uh, one thing that drives me fucking mad these days is, <laughs> is the watering down of martial arts. Mm. Um, now, I'm not taking any piss on. I understand that it's like schools and need students, but some people, like they say, I say to them, uh, they say to me, oh, you've been doing BJJ, you know, you compete regularly, what belts are you? And I say, dude, I'm still I'm still white belt and I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. I'm cool with that. Nice. Um, and then I say, to, oh, dude, I did Taekwondo for three years and I got my black belt. And then I was like, wait, three, three years. Yeah, yeah. And then I find out that these schools, they give out belts like every term. If you do a term there, it's a course. And then all of a sudden they master in two years. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, well, look, I don't want to shit on, on them. But that's n- I don't believe that's the way it's supposed to be, you know, because if it took you that didn't, if it only took you that long, the black belt's not going to value it so much. And one of my favorite things to do on the YouTube is I love it is when I see someone in BJJ getting a new belt. Yeah. And then like, especially when they go from white to blue, because that's when a lot of them, it's very significant for them. Yeah. Cause no longer being, but when they get their black belt, I've seen men like break down in tears because they hold the value to this, what they've worked so hard for. And it's literally they spent a decade or at least a decade of their life trying to prove. Yeah. And that's why it values so much. So time is 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 the more time you give something, the more value it's gonna have. Like like do you ever see like a couple and they're like, How long have you been married? And they say forty years and they're like, Whoa, Crazy. they love you guys, yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's like that with everything else. Like mm-hmm. the longer you invest in something, the better it goes. So the more time you devote to it, the more you're gonna value it. Um, so that's why, you know, I feel like, you know, when you talk about don't cutting, no cutting corners, it's going to take as long as it takes. Absolutely. It's, it's just slow. Thing. Like, it, yeah. well, like, you know, like you're a PT, right? Yeah. Now, you know, the crash diet, obviously, right? Yeah. So like who keeps the weight off the longest? Yeah. You know, someone that, you know, does it right, does it slow or someone that does a crash diet. It's the same sort of sort of thing in my vision of life. You know, it's the same sort of thing. If you were so passionate and driven in in one avenue and you love it so much, do it right. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. Make all the mistakes. You know what I mean? Because if you're doing it slow enough, your mis- your mistakes won't have that big of an impact anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, well, not always, but sometimes I do. But I mean, you know, just take it easy and respect the journey and respect the path by giving it the time. You know, so that's what I've always believed, man. It seems to be working out um, so far. So. 
Yeah, yeah so, 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 you know the the rabbit and the uh, the tortoise. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, just because we're heading towards the end now, so let's just uh, let's get a few things up. Um, mm-hmm. Is your humble? Are you guys got any events? You got any athletes that are competing or anything for the rest of the year? I can't be really much. No, nah, it's yeah, it's pretty much over this yeah. Yeah, this point. We were gonna do the um, the the Casa uh, comp that was meant to happen last weekend, uh, but it got canned because uh, I think it's getting moved to February. Oh, okay. um, and like I think everyone's in holiday mode. You know what I mean? Yeah, so dude, it's so such a weird time. Of the year. Such a weird time. But we we are dropping uh, t-shirts tonight. So uh, so these two that we're wearing here, and there's there's another white one as well. Okay, so you're dropping those tonight. Oh, here's a fucking thing. Look at the look at the camera, guys. I'm dropping this episode tonight. Go on to humble. I'm gonna yeah, drop yeah. it literally right now. Oh, so perfect, yeah, man. So, yeah, yeah, cool, right? So my situation is, I have a shift in an, an hour and a half. It takes me 20 minutes to get these episodes up, so I'm just gonna get it up straight away. Oh, that work it, out well. Up, yeah, so yeah. I'm dropping it tonight. Let's drop it tonight. tonight. Yeah, so. dropping dropping three teas tonight. Um, and yeah, and then just enjoying the festive. Yeah. The the the, the beers, the food. I mean, you are you, are you married? No, no, I've got, I've got a partner and a daughter as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. So yeah, so we got the Christmas tree up, and I love Christmas, man. I used yeah. to dress up as Santa for my nephews and all that. Like, I love Christmas, man. Like, that's it's just good. a happy time, you know. That's fantastic, mate. That's fantastic. How how many siblings do you, did you have? I've got four sisters and a brother. Yeah, four sisters yeah, and yeah. a brother. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I've got and I'm the baby brother. Sorry, what have you got? Uh, sorry, I got two sisters, one older, one older, but far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four sisters are a problem. Wow. Man, there was a shitload of TLC in the house. That's all I say. <laughs> they were playing that hard. No scrubs all the time, right? <laughs> Bobby Brown, all that old school R&B shit was going down, man. Nice, nice. So, also, Luke, so I want to know, uh, so the audience going to want to know, where can we find you? How can we get in contact with you? Yeah, so uh, my Instagram is uh, Bluke, B-L-U-K-E, uh, underscore, uh, HFW. Okay, yeah. I'll, put, I'll put that in the title. <laughs> and and, the, and obviously the, the Humble Fightwear, as uh, ours as well, is Humble underscore Fightwear. Yeah. Uh, website is uh, humblefightwear.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also got a TikTok um, account as well. So you find that same thing, Humble Fightwear. Nice. Um, so yeah, yeah, give us a follow, show us some love, and yeah, appreciate it. All right, guys, that is game. Luke, man, it's been an absolute honor. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for your time, man. I appreciate it. All cool. Signing out. All good.